0: This is the VIP podcast, Virginia in politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. Welcome back on the VIP Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Saxman. I'm also the Executive Director of Virginia Free. That's the Foundation for Research and Economic Education. I also want to thank the VCTA Broadband Association of Virginia for sponsoring this podcast. And this is a special segment we like to call the mailbag. From the comments we get online uh, through uh, YouTube, the comment section or wherever. uh, They're submitted. They're blind. I don't know what's coming up here. They're not blind, but they're written down. I don't know what's on the cards before me. So it's just going to be organic and meant to be uh, just a conversation, if you will. Let's jump into it. Question number one, do you see any positives in all of these retirements, opportunities for either party? What the, what the questioner is referring to is the inordinate amount of retirements that are happening in the General Assembly these days. We're gonna have upwards of possibly 40 members of the General Assembly out of 140 not returning next year. And I'm now projecting With the retirement uh, announcement of Senator John Cosgrove yesterday, we're going to be close to 600 years, potentially, of retirements. Do I see any positives? Um, It's always good to refresh things. It's always good to remind ourselves of the traditions and the rules of both the House and the Senate and the way we govern here in Virginia. Um, So that is a positive thing. Do I think that'll happen? No. It it could be very chaotic, and I think a lot of the uh, traditions that we hold dear here in Virginia, as far as how we govern and govern well, could be lost, and I'm more concerned about that than I am for the upside. Uh, Opportunities for either party? Not really. I think it's a wash. I don't think either party gains in in that. um, They both have their challenges with this. Uh, What I'm looking for more than anything else is the amount of turnover in Northern Virginia for the Democrats and how that's going to brand the Democratic Party in Virginia going forward. That's a very important part of this transition. It's a great question, though. Number two, Virginia has a reputation of being the most conservative jurisdiction in the DMV. Well, you're up against Delaware and Maryland, I mean, or DC and Maryland. Well, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be considered conservative next to those two jurisdictions, Jimmy so Crickets. Uh, and yet it is the only one with a personal property tax on motor vehicles. Why is this? Political reason? No, it's just the way things are. Uh, The the property tax was put on personal property uh, a while ago, and that's how the funding streams are set up. If you wanna take it off, you gotta come up with a different funding stream to fund the core services of government. Um, You you can't go back in time to undo what was done, but if you wanna do it, you're gonna have to uh, come up with a tax reform plan that is likely to pass. Um, People have been taking a whack at that for a number of decades trying to get our tax reform uh, done, uh, trying to with go with a, I mean, it, it, should we do something about it? Yeah, sure. We have a mid 20th century tax system in Virginia and we're looking at a mid 21st century uh, economy. They, they are misaligned and we need to go to more of a consumptive based tax system and get away from some of the things that you're concerned about. Is there a political reason? No, it's just the way things have gone on and it's hard to stop those once they get going. So another lesson to pay attention to what's going on in politics. You never know how it's gonna end up over time. Number three, how do you predict legalization of marijuana legislation will play out in the next couple of years with the divided state legislature and Glenn Youngkin as the governor? Look, it doesn't look good for marijuana legalization. <laughs> but however, I think you should go more toward decriminalization because let's be honest, marijuana is legal in Virginia as long as you don't get caught with it. Um, You know, it's something that can be delivered in a half an hour at market prices. Seems pretty legal to me. Uh, You probably want to step into decriminalization first and then move into a regulated or well-regulated legalized market. The The illegal market is going to kick the tail. Out of a regulated uh, market, uh, in, in, and it's happening in other states as well. So, um, probably nothing until 2026, I would imagine. Uh, but decriminalization would probably be a better uh, next step forward. Next question: Spruill and Lucas. This is Senator Lionel Lula, Lionel Spruill and Senator Louise Lucas. Are one of the last incumbent matchup in the Senate. Will this actually? Will they actually run against each other? Oh, yeah, they're running against each other. It's a four-bag-of-popcorn uh, alert here for, for watching politics. Think it will resolve before primary. No, no, I don't think that'll be resolved before the primary. I think it's going to go to June 20th. I think it's going to be a um, you know an incredibly intense, uh, vicious fight at a local level, and a lot of money is going to be spent, well over a million dollars on each side. I don't know who's going to win. Uh, I would probably put this as a lean Lionel Spruill district only because of the geography and how many people are in the previous district versus the current districts. Okay, this is the way it lines up. Um, both are both are obviously very very good politicians. Been around a very long time. Um, Lionel's been around 20, and I think. Louise has been around 32 years. What is the biggest obstacle in budget negotiations? Um, some of the retirements that were mentioned before. You have a number of people, senior members, especially on the Democratic side in the Senate, who are retiring. Um, you also have um, you know, competing interests and you have a, you have a time deadline. So the, the biggest obstacle, if there was going to be one, is whether or not the House and, and the governor want to take a deal now or come back and have a lot more money for Glenn Youngkin to put into the introduced budget in the beginning of the next cycle. Um, if they don't come up with a big plan or solve all their differences, Glenn Youngkin's gonna be dealing with a potentially three and a half billion dollar surplus that he gets to put into the new budget. And that's, that's a political problem for the Democrats. So I think the leverage is on the, the House Republicans and Governor's side. Uh, Barry Knight, House Appropriations Chairman, is, is playing this very well. When the Democrats are retiring, with Janet Howell and Dick Sassler retiring, it does take away a lot of leverage in the negotiations because the Republicans can wait them out and time is on their side. Number, uh, what's, the, what's the next one? Five or six here. Do elections really come down to who raised more? No. For close races, do you only need to follow the money? No. How much do intangibles matter? A lot. Okay, let's, let's break this thing down As you've got three questions in one. It, it, look, raising money is extremely important in politics. It helps you, it shows, first of all, you're organized, the candidate is uh, willing to work, uh, and you can fund a lot of operations. It's also, you need to have it earlier in the cycle than you used to because people are making their minds a lot earlier. There's a lot more at play earlier in the cycle. For close races, do you only need to follow money? money? Ma- in close races, it matters a little bit more because as the time compresses, and there's only a few amount of races that are gonna matter in the outcome of elections, we've seen that in recent American political history, it gets forced into uh, the electorate. However, in Virginia, we have a 45-day window of early voting, so it, you, have to, you, you have to shift the entire calendar backwards uh, for when it matters. The narrative construction and development takes place constantly. And politicians and their parties and their organizations have to manage that narrative and brand the entire time. Because like we've seen with Ron DeSantis being the, you know, the, the safe landing zone for Trump, or the, for, the, for the folks who don't wanna vote for Trump in the Republican party. And he comes out and says something on Ukraine being in a territorial dispute, bad branding move. It, 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 he should have taken that and, and pivoted toward Biden and the southern border, okay? And there's territorial integrity, sovereign, you know the sovereign borders of a nation, the invasion, illegal, these kinds of things would have been a much better move for them. So that, that branding element is constant and uh, you have to be very, very uh, concerned about all that all the time. But money does matter in being able to shape the message when you do make mistakes and being able to um, you know, pivot and move in a better direction and get your message out because there's, you're flooded with constant information. So the money does matter. But the branding, being branded consistently and the narrative uh, maintenance is really, really important as well. Uh, so many intangibles. You, you, the, look, authenticity is, is the name of the game, in my estimation, going forward. That's why you have in Vermont Bernie Sanders and Phil Scott on the same ballot uh, you know, getting elected in, in Vermont. Elizabeth Warren and Charlie Baker, two different parties in Massachusetts, uh, getting elected, okay? Um, there are swing voters and they do pay attention and it does matter. So you have to mind everything in politics. It's, it's not easy as they say. Next question. If the Dems have to pick someone tomorrow to run for governor, who would it be? Um, well, I think this is a normal part of the conversation. We're in mid-2023, we're two years out of the 25 cycle. I think the people who are running ostensibly, uh, and and I consider that people who are being mentioned and don't say no. If you don't say no, you're not in. You're you're in and thinking about it. And that would be Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, Congresswoman Jennifer McClellan, former Congresswoman Elaine Luria, uh, current uh, Mayor Lavar Stoney, who's been on this show before. Those are the ones that come to mind already already for the Democrats, not including the ones who ran last time, which would include former delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy, who's running for the Senate now, and there's gonna be a whole host of them. You can see Danica Rome running on the Democrats, Democratic side. Um, you can see uh, any number of more of Democrats getting in the race. David Reed, who's been on the show, uh, has been mentioned, and he's not said no. He's actually smiled quite, quite broadly uh, when it's been mentioned. On the Republican side, it's gonna be a showdown, I think, between Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears and Attorney General Jason Miyares, that's been lining up for a while. Um, And and those are the the top ones. And there's probably gonna be possibly one or two that get in. You always hear about a a businessman from Northern Virginia who wants to get in, who can self-fund. There's always that element in both political parties, probably more so in the Republicans following the election of Glenn Youngkin. So it's gonna be a large field. Uh, Democrats probably have a larger field. Uh, and, And all these moves are being done right now. It's the the personnel primary right now, lining up all the people for the campaigns, the the jockeying back and forth, the elbows get a little bit sharp, but you don't see it uh, day to day. It's happening all behind the scenes, okay? Great question, though. I would say Spamberger, McClellan, Luria, Stoney right now, I wouldn't put odds on uh, any of them being better or worse than the others because they have their own constituencies. You're still going to see a battle within the, the Democratic Party on which direction they're going to go, with more minorities, a significant part of the Democratic base, and uh, white liberals moving in a different direction, white suburban liberals. But uh, I do think the odds of having a a woman uh, governor sworn in in 2026 are very high. All right. Why so many retirements? Was this planned? (laughs) No, one doesn't plan this many retirements. What happened was redistricting comes along changes the lines, and everyone goes, you know, um, yeah, I've been here for 30 some odd years, 10, 15, 20 years, these guys don't, these guys and, uh, these, and ladies don't make a lot of money in the House at $17,600 a year before taxes and $18,000 in the Senate. It's a lift, it's public service. And they have been, you know, governing well for the, for the Commonwealth for, for, for a generation. And this is a generational shift. And we're seeing that uh, in in uh, the, the amount of retirements um, it's just part of life. You know, we're at that point. You've had, there's, a, there's usually a, 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 an amount of redistricting retirements that happen. People go, you know, I'm just, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to deal with the hassle of the people in my, my, my party committee anymore. They get more agitated, it gets, it gets more adversarial, even within your own party. And there's a point of diminishing returns in anything. Um, and, and every politician faces that. And let's be honest, a lot of these people are going to get out unindicted and undefeated, which is pretty good. You know, if you can serve for 30 years in legislature, um, that's a good run. That's a great legacy. Um, And, you know, it's just time for a new generation to uh, take the reins of power, and it's incumbent upon us as uh, the observers, the citizens, the constituents, to manage uh, the expectations and the traditions that make governing in Virginia Uh, very special. And it's important because we do elections every year. The nation does watch us. We are a bellwether. It's incumbent upon all of us to make sure it's done correctly and at least in a positive direction for both political parties and more importantly, us, the people. So Chris Saxman here on the VIP podcast. Thanks for your questions. Please be sure to uh, write some more in. we are more than happy to do this on a regular basis with you. Um, You can tune into this podcast on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. But do me a favor, please subscribe, like and share and make sure more people are engaged in this political cycle here in Virginia. Thanks for joining us.